And what I want to do first, of course, is welcome our crow's nests and our Warwick congregations. It's great to have our campuses with us this morning. So uh, great to have you guys. We love you. We love you. And, um, and then I want to get into, and I guess carry on from where I was last week. And last week I, I talked about, you know, I was trying to be honest uh, obviously, I've just come off, Sue and I have just come off a, a great break, and I keep mentioning that. I'm going to keep preaching on this because it, it, it enables me to keep mentioning that we spent some time in Italy, and that is just worth talking about again and again and again and reminding ourselves. And uh, last week, I began looking at some things I think I, I learnt afresh. Uh, isn't it funny that th- this is what I find? If you've been following Jesus for a while, you, nev- you don't learn anything new. You learn really everything really quickly, but you just keep learning the same things on a deeper level. Yeah. And, uh, and so I started sharing out of that. And, um, and of course, I was looking at, talking about being holistic, I was looking about our need for rest. You know, some of it is physical and some of it, uh, last week I talked about this, the spiritual side and keeping the spiritual side uh, up and flowing and at a high level in our life. Uh, and... Today I want to look at actually emotional, our need, you know, we are body, soul and spirit. We're not just a body and we're not just, you know, sometimes even as Christians, we're not just worshippers per se, but there is this other level in our life. Uh, so we talk about the, the, the physical, we talk about the spiritual, uh, but we have to talk about the mental and we have to talk about uh, the emotional and we have to talk about our willpower because all of those things reside in us in, in what scripture would probably refer to as our soul uh, loosely. It, often scripture interposes soul and spirit, the spirit of man and soul of man, the heart of man. Often it's all interposed. But if I could just draw a little bit of a line and say, let, let's just think about our spiritual life as our worship life and our prayer life and our dedication to Christ and our experience of God and our physical life. Of course, Shane has already spoken well about that. And to tell you the truth, Shane, you look like you've been training all year. Like, you look amazing. Um, and uh, so if you're going to grow a belly to get shade in summer, you'd want to hurry up and start with the pumpkin soup. But I want to look at just that, that whole area of our life, which is our, our mental capacity and our thinking and our, our emotional realm and how that affects us. And if I talk about will and our decision-making process, that really is a deep-seated character issue. Yeah. You know, w- the decisions we make are critical to where we end up in life. So it's very much wrapped up in our character and how critical it is to be able to make good decisions, uh, God-honouring decisions, sometimes in the face of pressure or when everything else seems to be flowing the other way. How can you get good decisions? And, and, I, and I think that good decision-making and feeling good about life and thinking right about life, uh, all of that is strongly attached to rest. Uh, we have probably all proven the hard way that, uh, that when, you're, when you're tired and you're worn out and you're stressed and whatnot, you, you make bad decisions. You make rash decisions. You're tempted to. And it's easy to make bad decisions when you're worn out. So I think rest is something that we do need to address. And I do know that this is going to be really frustrating for some people. 
the moment you talk about emotional space or emotional rest. But um, I want to speak out of the perspective, I guess, that a good break can give you. And uh, because it can be a game changer when you do get a good break and you actually have a look at your life, um, a good break helps you unmesh your thinking. You know, disconnect and and look with perspective. If you you like, get beside your life and look back into it and actually uh, work out what's going on and potentially plot a different course because there's nothing worse than being a donkey on the edge emotionally. Uh, There's nothing worse. Uh, There's nothing worse than being with someone who's a donkey on the edge. Is there, darling? Uh, Who's sitting next to some... No, don't. Don't go there. I was going to say spouses, just... But there is nothing worse. There's nothing worse than being one and there's nothing worse than being with one when you're a donkey on the edge. And so um, uh, I hope you at times have been able to experience breaks. Um, As I said, this can be frustrating if you can't see a way to getting that. And I think straight away of, uh, of parents with small children, straight away it can be like, man, if I could only get space, I, you know, and, and so it can be frustrating. But I don't think we should, we should just throw our hands in the air and say it's impossible. I think it's a matter of trying to refocus on what is important and trying to reprioritize. Um, so I'm going to still share from my Bible journal, just straight out of my journaling this week like I did last week. And, uh, uh, and I, I want to talk about some things that I guess in, upon reflection from a break, some things I don't want to lose. And this will be very much me, but I've just got the thought that it's going to overlap for you. It might not be exhaustive, but I believe it'll be helpful. Now, I've been journaling in Ecclesiastes. Now, that's an interesting book. Uh, that's an interesting book. Actually, it was Sunday night that I spoke out of Ecclesiastes. So if you, uh, I spoke about being righteous, wise, and humble. Perfect subject for me. Uh, I spoke about that Sunday night. That is a great podcast. And if you didn't get the podcast from last week or the week before, they are both worth getting because they all sort of tie together on this. So if you weren't in services, you can get them free off the podcast. Um, But Ecclesiastes is an interesting book. the traditional author is Solomon, although there's, there's quite a bit of debate about that. A lot of the language and some of the events would seem to be later than Solomon's time. But the whole thought is, uh, and, and it's a confusing book, if you, it's contradictory. You know, you read Solomon, uh, you read uh, Ecclesiastes and it's like, uh, there's other places in the Bible that say the opposite to this. And even the book itself, you can find contradictions within two lines. He'll say one thing and then he'll say the opposite. And you're like, and, and the whole reason is, is because this book is written from a human perspective. Yeah. It is written to emphasize, and his whole cry is, the vanity of human life aside from, from divine connection. That divine connection is the only thing that can make, it sense, make life make sense because our wisdom, our righteousness, our capability, it is all limited as human beings. Yeah. We are so limited. And so without a connection to the, the, the divine, the divine is the only thing that makes life make sense. Now, when you see Ecclesiastes that way, it's a really interesting read. It, it's, it's no longer confusing. You actually look at it and see yourself staring back. You know, I've thought that way. I have been that confused at times. And, uh, and so I want to share a verse. And uh, I love this verse. It's like, wow, this really jumped out of the page. 
And it's Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 1. And the writer says, Who is like a wise man? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? And, and they're questions, open-ended questions. But then he, he says this, he makes a clear statement. And Ecclesiastes doesn't have a lot of them. <laughs> a man's wisdom makes his face shine. And the sternness of his face is changed. Now, I think we should read that ten times. I'm not going to. But listen to that again. A man's wisdom makes his face shine. Come on, who would like their face to shine? Who wants to have a shiny face? You know, and, and the whole thought of that in Scripture is, uh, is you know, that you are, your countenance is bright, you're happy, you're lifted up. They used to anoint their faces literally with oil so that their faces would shine in the oil lamps at night. That was before cosmetics. A shiny face was beautiful. Now the ladies are all trying to make them not shine and mop up the, the, any sweat or anything. But, but back in the day, a shiny face was a sign of prosperity and, and wealth and well-being. And you can make your face shine through wisdom. You can who would like to lose some of the sternness yeah. of their face? Do, do you ever catch yourself during the day thinking, what's this look on my face? You know, the furrowed breath. So I, I do all the time because Sue helps me. She's like, she'll come up to me sometimes and start massaging here and say, honey, get the creases out of your forehead, you know, because I'm like, because I get intense and I get wound up and I get down the rabbit hole with things at times. And so I love this thought. The sternness of your face can be changed. Wisdom makes your face shine. It makes you relax. Wisdom creates a security that allows you to release your stern, white-knuckle grip on life. And knowing you're using wisdom is an antidote to stress. That, that's the things I pick up in this. An antidote to stress is just knowing that you're moving in wisdom. Your face will shine. The sternness, your, the worries of making life happen will become so much easier to bear when you know that you're moving with a certain sense of wisdom in life. And I, and I read that passage and it was a little bit like how I felt now. Now you'll have to ask me in three months' time how I'm going. But certainly I came back from a break with perspective and thought I'm going to live a different template of life in this next season. A sustainable template. And uh, so I want to look at today, title of the message really quickly, is Some Wise Priorities of a Fresh Perspective. Yeah. You okay there? Yeah. And I'm just going to try and help us get our faces to shine if it's not shining already. And I know for 98% of us we're just fine, but for the 2% that this will help, it's going to be worth it. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. So for, I think this is for everyone. I really do. That was just, you know, it's for everyone. It's especially for high achievers. Because I, I think, and I think most people want to build a life. Most people want to achieve, not just in career, but just in every area. We want to do well. I mean, what's the alternative? No one wishes for a crappy life. No one does. So 
I think sometimes we, we have, with this desire to achieve, we have expectations that sometimes it's from outside and certainly there can be marketplace expectations if you're in business or there can be uh, employers' expectations if, if you uh, are a wage earner, employee. Whatever that might be, there's external expectations and there's also internal expectations. And I think that using wisdom and being a Christ follower and being connected to the Creator, we've got to work, we've got to, as much as we have to honour our commitments externally, we also have to realise that we do not answer to man. That we actually answer to a Creator, that we are meant to be in step with Him. And, And we actually have to attach some of our expectations to Him. Not to our own sense of internal performance, not to exterior pressure to perform. But honestly, we have to ask ourselves, what does God want of me? What does God want of me? And we find ourselves in a society that is fast-paced and, and raging and there's opportunity and we, often we rise and we run to the battle without asking, is this what God has for me? Yeah. We want to seize opportunity before we actually just go, Lord, I want to walk before you. I often see that with people who just want to move all over the place to to chase opportunity. And it's like, man, that's okay to do that, but I hope you prayed about that before you pull your kids out of school and you move. I hope you prayed about that because I look at the book of Acts and it says that in one place it says that God has actually ascribed the times, the seasons and the boundaries of where we live. God has. And yet in this easy to move modern age, it's so easy for us to just say, well, this is what's best for me without actually applying wisdom to that decision. Anyhow, that's another whole message. But I, I, I do want to encourage you, let's not be driven by external expectations, our own internal expectations, as much as we are actually led by God through life. Here's some things. And, and maybe you could secretly rate yourself. Uh, I, I sat on a park bench actually at Queen's Park this week and wrote this message. And I just tried to think about what has come back into clear focus after a great break, a total break. What has come back into clear focus as the most important things And I'm sure this isn't exhaustive, but these were the things that just ran into my head. Is that okay? And I just think it could be helpful for you, and it will start an internal discussion. Here's one. Time margin. Time margin. If you've never heard that term, it's room in your schedule. It's not being scheduled every minute of every day. Family, work, business, investment, mowing the lawn... And there's not a margin in your life. Time margin. Look, I can be naturally driven, that's for sure. And I've always struggled with time margin. Uh, can you? Most of you who've got smaller children will remember the, the animated movie The Incredibles. Uh, it was one of our favourites when our kids were small. The Incredibles. And I think they still, you know, I still see it for sale. So it must still be, kids must still be watching it. Mr. Incredible. I love Mr. Incredible. Uh, I've got time. Remember, that was Mr. Incredible's statement. I've got time. 
He was always trying to squeeze one more thing in before he had to be someone somewhere. Is anyone married, ladies? Anyone married to someone like that? Uh, we've got to be at your sister's place for the engagement party, but he's going to mow the lawn because he's got time in the 30 minutes before you have to leave. Uh, the Mr. Incredible syndrome. Sue says to me all the time, the problem with you is you think you're Mr. Incredible. Just, I could just get that in. I'll just make a phone call. I'll just send that email off. Sue's like, we've got to be in the car going. And I'm trying to do that one more thing. And that is a micro look at what, if you do on a big level, will actually lead to, to you suffering emotionally and thinking-wise and your ability to make quality decisions. We all have to build in a time margin somewhere in our week uh, the fact is, I think sometimes we don't give ourselves permission to do it because we're worried we'll do nothing. I'll get lazy if I do that. Don't worry. If you're a motivated person and you build a time margin in, you will fill it. Yeah. But you'll probably fill it with better stuff. You'll fill it with strategic stuff. You'll fill it with thinking about the future rather than reacting to the now. Yeah. That's, that's what a time margin does for us. Time margin buys back our creativity. You can't be creative under pressure. Have you noticed that? You can't be creative under pressure. When you've got to come up with something, it's generally a second-rate solution. But when you've got time to think about it, it's amazing. When you're doing nothing, that's when the best ideas pop into your head. Everything from how you'd reorganise your garden to that big problem at work and how to get around it pops into your head when you've actually got room to breathe. Uh, And so creative problem-solving which then lubricates life and makes it flow. It all comes out of time margin. It all comes out of having very intentionally built some time into the week where actually you are not on call, you're not under demand, you've got time to sit and think about life and out of that comes incredible creativity for your future. And I thought, man, I've got to determine in this next season not to lose that time margin because as, you know, I think I've got a a drivenness to achieve, my temptation is always to just live my whole life totally blocked out. And then you get tired, your spiritual life drops off, your desire for all of life drops off, and all of a sudden you're actually in a weakened and vulnerable state without a time margin. And here's the other key to time margin. It's got to be without guilt. It's got to be without guilt. If, if you're going to build a time margin into your life, here's the key. You've got to recognise this is not a luxury. This is a necessity. Think about Sabbath. God built a Sabbath in. He has limitless capacity... And yet he chose to model rest. And we choose to ignore it as part of the creation. And we can't get away with that. So time margin. Is this speaking to anyone? Okay, cool. Second one I thought of was creation. Of course, I was sitting at Queen's Park. Not Queen's Park, at uh, Picking Point. Um, Being out, for me, it was being out in this amazing city and and world, and experiencing it. Um, You know, and I thought about this. The refreshing nature of creation is incredible. But even secular governments recognise this. So I've been privileged to travel now 
quite a few world cities. And one thing every world city has in common is that some of the most prime real estate, the most expensive real estate in cities in this world is given to green space. In our own city, look at Queen's Park. Who'd like to inherit Queen's Park, divide it up and turn it into inner city apartment blocks? It'll never happen. As governments recognise the need for people to refresh. That if communities can't refresh and if you can't breathe some fresh air, if you can't get some, some space, society as a whole, community as a whole breaks down and suffers. And now we, we, are, we are incredibly privileged here, aren't we, with the amount of open space and, and green space. Man, I just turned down some streets from where I live and, and you're just looking at trees and just beautiful, you know, beautiful sky and what a wonderful place to live. But this isn't just about a lifestyle. This is about emotional health. This is about wisdom that makes your face shine. Wisdom that takes the sternness out of your face. Paul says it this way, Romans chapter 1 verse 20. Paul recognises it. And he says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... The eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, you've got no excuse for not knowing God because when you just take a look at creation, you will see God's qualities everywhere. And there's an incredible opportunity that we have when we even feel boxed in. It's like the schedule won't let me take a break or whatever just to get out in nature and see God in his creation once again, to see God and experience God literally as the sun hits your face. As you look at a blue sky, as you see a beautiful parrot or a bird in a tree, as the breeze blows in your face, as you go for a jog on these beautiful, crisp winter mornings, Shane, (laughs) you will experience a refreshing that is actually spiritual and eternal but it will flood into your soul and breathe life back into a weary heart. This is not about lifestyle. This is not a luxury. This is how God created us. This is spiritual. This is a necessity. If you want to live with wisdom on a level that makes your face shine and takes the creases out of your forehead, then we need to enjoy what he has created us for and not just be so busy, determined to climb to the top of whatever ladder has been put before us. Or you might just find that you get to the top of the ladder and work out that the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall, which is often what happens to people, I guess, in life. Here's another one. Are you okay? Life is to be experienced. And the next one is simply life. Life itself, the journey itself. We can be so busy running from one place to the next, getting to the next thing, ticking the next thing off our list, that we actually don't stop and recognise this is an incredible journey we're on. This is amazing. 
Uh, don't you think it's a, Tell me, what's a better alternative to living? Can you come up with one? Can anyone come up with one? There, there just isn't an alternative. And we could say heaven, but eternal life's meant to begin now. In the Jewish mindset, when Jesus talked about heaven, he wasn't talking about somewhere else, somewhere else. He's saying the kingdom of God is here now. So our life is a gift from God. And if you're not careful, you actually just plow your way through it, getting to the next thing and actually miss the joy in the moment. And man, I'm, I'm convicted. I am one of them. But the ability to stop and smell the roses, the ability to stop and actually enjoy the opportunity that life is. Uh, And maybe it comes into clearer focus the older you get. You get over the halfway mark, you think, well, I haven't got forever. I need to enjoy what I have. Well, that's a a lesson that's best learnt young. Stop to celebrate the win. Here's another thing. I'll race through them. Uh, People. People. Talk about priorities. People are a priority. Uh, Enjoying them. Uh, For me, not just leading them, pastoring them, but actually enjoying people. I, I know that sounds crazy, but... You can get so tunnel vision, so stern of face that you actually forget to enjoy people around you. Opening your heart, opening your home, making time to relax with with people in your world that are life givers. Just give life. They're not hard to be around. I met with a couple of couples yesterday morning. We call it an elders meeting, but it's, it's more like just friends seeing how each other are going. And I'm just so glad for that renewed perspective. You know, I, I, I think about Jesus and the rich young ruler in the book of Mark. And, and it says, when the, this rich young guy come to him and he's talking to him about how do I inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus, it says, looked at him, loved him. Didn't just look at him and give him a difficult answer. And the fact is, I think Jesus being the son of God, he probably knew this guy was going to reject him because he loved his money too much. If you look at it, there's ten commandments, uh, six relating directly to God, four relating to people. And Jesus, all the, the ones that Jesus mentions are all the ones relating to people. And he was able to say, I've done them all. And then Jesus gave one more. Well, okay, if you're so invested in people. He wasn't questioning his relationship with God. He was questioning his heart towards people. And he says, well, then, if you really are invested the way you say you are in people, sell all you have and give to the poor and come follow me. Now, I think Jesus knew he was going to go away sad because he had great wealth. But the amazing thing to me is that even Jesus, knowing someone would reject him, could still look at them and love them first. And it's like, man, we've got to keep our heart for people and, and not get cynical and not get so beaten up and not get so weary by life. That we write people off and we reject people or we, we speak harshly and we judge them and we, but we actually 
keep our hearts open to what matters to God because ultimately good relationships are are the most refreshing things we can have in our soul. Someone who will bring a kind word and someone who will empathise, someone who will encourage, someone who will pray with you, whatever it is, one of the most powerful, refreshing elements of our lives. So can I encourage you, wisdom prioritises people. If you want your face to shine, if you want the wrinkles to go out, then keep your heart open. Stay able to look at people and love them, whether they're on your journey or not, whether they're particularly your friend or not. Keep your heart open. Don't let cynicism, don't let offence, don't let bitterness make you live small. Because man, if there was ever a moment Jesus could have just acted a bit small, it would have been then, and he didn't. Knowing rejection was on the way, knowing this young guy had no idea how uncommitted he really was, Jesus could still look at him and love him first. People. And finally, are you okay? You doing okay? Prayer. And I know I talked about this last week, but... Again, I just thought about it. I thought, man, this place of intimacy with God. If, if you want to talk about prayer, I mean, we t- I say prayer because I guess we all understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about talking to God. But ultimately, it's, it's deeper than that. It's not just talking at God or talking with God in that sense. It's just developing a life of intimacy. I think that, you know, when we are prayerless, and this is not intended to make anyone feel guilty, but it is intended to make us think about what we're actually saying as children of God. You know, if you claim to be a follower of God, if you are a prayerless person, what you're actually saying is, I can do this by myself. I think being prayerless is maybe our ultimate statement of unbelief. That we don't depend, we don't rely, it, it's okay. I, I go to church, I do my thing, I try and act like a Christian, but my goodness, how can you, you know, be a spiritual person without the spiritual power that prayer gives you? How can you be that person? How can you, for example, how can you love the rich young rulers of this world that you know there's rejection? You wonder why you struggle because you're separated in relationships sometimes because there ain't no spiritual power driving who you are. And that spiritual power comes from intimacy with God, whatever you want to call it. That place where you interact with heaven and you shut the world out and this is just about you and God. And, uh, and, and, and if we don't engage God on some level that way, uh, but we say, we're, we say that we're followers, we say we're believers, it's a little bit like we're patting God on the head in condescension and saying, it's okay, I've got this. I mean, you're handy because I need someone to sing to, but other than that, I've got this. I don't really want to invite you into this. I'm, I, I've got this and... Church is your space where I pat you on the head every week. It's like God becomes a pet unless you're actually dependent on him. However you express that, however you connect with him. And, And I know this from recent experience, it's really hard to do that unless you've got some emotional quotient. Unless you've got some emotion. I found, you know, when I was really tired before we went on our break, I could read my Bible, no worries. I could journal, no worries. But prayer was another whole thing. Because prayer is relationship. And relationship requires emotional quotient. 
Reading the Bible doesn't. Even preparing sermons doesn't require emotional quotient. But prayer does. So I came to the conviction, and I shared this with the elders, I think, I think any pastor I've ever met who's burnt out was probably a prayerless overworker before he burnt out. And I think all of life is sort of designed to maybe get us off foot, get us to a place of being prayerless, and then we're trying to do the God thing without the God power. And no wonder we get stern and intense and white-knuckle and controlling and manipulative because we're actually not moving with a sense of divine power. I I remember a a great man of God years ago coined this phrase, and I've heard many men of God through the decades use it, um, which was relax for easy power. Relax for easy power. Uh, Which sounds so simple, and it's a great advice for someone who's about to step up and preach for the first time, but ultimately what I found that comes out of is intimacy with God. When you have intimacy with God, you relax about everything. Remember uh, last week, I think I, I used Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, all things with prayer, that supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's it. That place of inter- intimacy brings a place of relax. And all of a sudden, your emotional quotient begins to flow back in. All of a sudden, you're not in control and it doesn't all depend on you. You've got someone bigger that you've anchored your soul to and straight away you start to feel like, I can do this. As impossible as the situation might seem, as difficult as this health issue I face might be, as tight as my finances are right now, because I take it to God in prayer and I actually anchor my soul to something bigger than myself, then somehow... I find rest in the middle of turmoil. Man. Creation and life and prayer and people and time margin. So let me just ask you some questions as we, as we close. Are you, are you doing okay? You're still doing okay? Is this helpful? Does this, this is just, again, my perspective, but trying to apply that scripture. A wise man will make his face Shine, he'll remove the sternness. In other words, who wants to lose wrinkles? Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. And, and look, honestly, life is a balance. I still have to work. I have an expanding family. Um, but I've, I've learned this, that to enjoy life, you've got to prioritise it. And it does, it'll mean deleting things. It'll mean narrowing the focus. It'll mean wasting less time. And I know for some of you it's dense, but young parents are like, what? It'll mean uh, maybe, for example, less screen time. But if you're not a screen person, I mean social media, phones, blah, 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 gaming, whatever. If you're not a screen person, I guarantee there's other ways that you fritter your time away because human beings are really good at it. If you're snickering right now because you work constantly and say you have no time for social media or TV, uh, let alone create a time margin, then maybe this message is more for you than anyone else. It's more for you. Proverbs simply says, do not overwork to be rich. Do not overwork to be rich. So maybe this message is for you. For some of us, this message, I hope, is permission. Um, You've been lockstep with social expectations. 
expectations around you and you can't see a way off the merry-go-round or out of the game. Uh, please understand I'm not saying avoid life, drop out of life, run away from responsibility. I'm saying stop, breathe, recalibrate. And it wouldn't hurt us all to do that four times a year. Stop, breathe, recalibrate. Stop, breathe, recalibrate. This was the whole point of honouring the Sabbath. As I said before, if God chose to rest, who were we to think we shouldn't? And in modern society and Christianity, when I think about, I think Christians, honestly, for all the flack that the church often cops, and obviously there's always flashes and extremes and foolish things done, but, but I actually think like Christianity is really healthy and it does a lot of good in the world. It really does. And I think in general, most Christians who are committed to God, most of them live really well. Most of us don't break many of the Ten Commandments. Happens occasionally, but certainly not here. It's not like everyone's out murdering and blah, 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 blah. But I do wonder whether the the number one thing I see around the world, the the commandment that Christians break more than any other, is failing to honour the Sabbath. I'm not talking about coming to church. Hey, don't argue about a day. We can't argue about a day. Paul said, don't argue about a day. Anyone who wants to argue about a day missed a boat that sailed in the first century. Sorry. (laughs) Paul said, someone esteems this day more important than another. That's fine. You don't? That's fine. It's not about days. Book of Hebrews says our rest is Christ. It's not about a day, but that principle of Sabbath rest is in all of creation. It's why the sun goes down. It's why the tide goes out. It's through all of creation. And we, we ignore it at our peril. So I want, I want to ask us some questions and just get us thinking about how to apply the message. Is that okay? Just as I close. Okay, so here's the thoughts. Time margin, creation, life, people, prayer. You might have added a few more of your own that you thought, if I could prioritise something that I think I need to, you've already thought of it. Here's some questions. What is the most important area for me to refocus on right now? Again, you can use those. Maybe you've got one that is already just, it's a red light flashing on your dash. Might be your marriage. Might be a relationship with a child. Might be just just some other area where you're like, I have got to focus on that. What is stealing my time? Is a great question to ask. What is stealing my time? Where am, I, where am I letting time leak away that I could redeem it and put it to good use, even if that good use is nothing? You know, if you don't plan rest, generally it just gets frittered away. I think we've often got more time than we think. We just, we just spend it before we realise we're spending it. What is stopping or blurring my focus on me seeing what is important what's glaringly in my life that's just stopping me refocus right now these are all things that might help you stop and recalibrate what can I restructure to enable refocus on what is important now you you might have to do a little bit of work on this and Honestly, if this is boring you to tears, then, then maybe you're just in a really happy place and you don't have a stern face. But if you do, 
and you recognise your need to do life better, then you'll actually have to invest in it. Do a little bit of work on it. Plan it. Plan for a break. Plan for a holiday. Plan your week so you actually can stop somewhere in the week and get some time for yourself. Can I be wise enough to make decisions that change my face? There's a penetrating question. Stop and think about it. Close your eyes if you need to, but can I be wise enough to make decisions that change my face? Because that's what, Sol- that's what uh, the writer, Solomon or whoever was, that's what he said. You know what? It doesn't matter who wrote the book. The truth is still the same. Yeah, it's great. Is that okay? Yeah. Biblical scholars argue about authors about every 50 years. Everyone has a change of opinion. It doesn't change the truth. But can you be wise enough to exercise it? Can you sort of go away and go, yep, I'm going to make some decisions that change my face? Because you can. Um, loosen your white knuckle grip on reality. Can, can you do that? And, uh, and I just think it'd be great just for a moment. Just think about how you're going to, what you're going to do when you leave. So that we hit the foyer and we talk and we have a coffee and that's all going to be great. But don't forget, if man, if God is speaking to you about rest, if God is speaking to, to you about the emotional, mental, decision-making part of your inner world, then determine to take something from this morning. Determine to make your face shine by exercising wisdom with the way that you prioritise life, with the priorities that you hold in life. Are you okay? Yeah. You're doing okay? Okay, let's stand together. Let's stand together because you're all looking really seriously at me, which is good because I'm, I'm hoping it means you're thinking about your world. Is that what it means or are you bored? You might have to write another message for the next service. Um, I, I, think, I think God's speaking to hearts here today. I really do. Father, I thank you for for each and every one of our lives and our families and, and everything that's represented in this room, for businesses and for uh, lecture theatres and for uh, neighbourhoods and streets and playgroups and just everything, all the dots that are, that are connected to this room. And Father, I pray that you would help us prioritise our lives in such a way where we can live joyfully where we can live with faces that shine, where, where we can live with faces that aren't all wrinkled up and intense through anxiety and fear about what tomorrow brings, but we could make decisions that bring wisdom into our priorities so that we could do what we're created to do, which is enjoy you and enjoy the life you've given us to live. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father, for every heart, for decisions, for thoughts, for creativity on how we can restructure if we need to, in Jesus' name. Just in the final moments, if if you're here with us and among us, and, and maybe you've never refocused your life around spiritual priorities, and you might be managing time well and other things well, but... But maybe if I said to you, is there a spiritual priority, something at the core of your being, uh, that might not be the case for you. Uh, Obviously, we've gathered here because we've all put Jesus in the centre 
of our lives, or the, the great bulk of people here. Uh, and if you haven't, you're very welcome. But but for so many, we've chosen to put Jesus at the centre, and that He has become like a compass that gives us direction, that that helps us do life well, that teaches us how to do life well. That's all this message has been. Um, but if you're here and you haven't done that, you you are very welcome to. In the closing moments of this service, we always give opportunity for people just to reach out to God right where you're standing or right where you're sitting, uh, just to reach out to God for yourself. He loves you. You're created in his image. Uh, He certainly knows the way that we tick as people and can help you live your life in a way that, uh, that is not only incredibly fulfilling for you, but in a way that honors the creator that made you. Um, And so if you're here, I want to give you the opportunity to connect with God. In the closing moments of this service, we're going to pray a very simple prayer um, that's on the screen. And uh, it's a very simple prayer of commitment, dedication to Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you feel you need to do that, I want to invite you as we pray to join with us. But while every head's bowed and every eye is closed, friend, if you're here and, and you know you need that, one thing I'd ask you to take one step of faith And uh, between me and you, would you just raise your hand right where you are and say, Pastor Chris, that's me, and I know I need to do it. I need Jesus in my life. I want to put him at the centre. I want to refocus my life around spiritual priorities and uh, and let Jesus do something in my heart. Would you just raise your hand right where you are, and I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down. I'm not going to embarrass you or point you out or anything like that. But I want you to take that step of faith for yourself. I'm ready to re orientate my life. God bless you. That's awesome. That's fantastic. I'll give it one more moment just for others in this place. You just know you need to reorientate your life around spiritual values and what Jesus can do. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's pray together right now. And if you've responded, even if you didn't get to that point, but you know you want Jesus in your life, just use this prayer as your own. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I'll follow you. Amen. Uh, Amen. Well, God loves you. I love you. Let's do life really well. Uh, Let's enjoy what's been created for us. Let's enjoy people. Let's use our time wisely. Let's stop and smell the roses in this wonderful adventure called life and whatever else I mentioned. Do that too, and it'll help you in Jesus' name. Thanks, Mike.